From the Financial Times in London, I'm Barney Thompson and this is FT News. At about 18 minutes past midnight on June 24th, the night of the UK's EU referendum, the result for Sunderland came through. It was a thumping win for the Leave campaign. A currency trader in Tokyo stopped in mid-conversation with an FT reporter. Something very bad just happened, he said. In a few hours, the pound went from $1.50 to not much more than $1.30. Before the referendum, the Treasury said a vote to leave the EU could tip the UK economy into recession, causing half a million people to lose their jobs, reducing wages and, horror of horrors, lowering house prices. After it, economists lined up to say that British voters had just committed economic suicide. And today? Consumer figures show Britons are still spending. The pound is back up, a bit while purchasing managers' data on manufacturing, construction and the all-important services sector all bounce back in August. All over the city, analysts are busy shredding their forecasts of recession. Meanwhile, the markets march on. The FTSE 100 and the FTSE 250 are both higher than before the Brexit vote. So, who is right? The gloomy economists or the upbeat markets? With me to decide are Chris Giles, the FT's economics editor, and Roger Blitz, our currencies correspondent. Roger, why are the markets so sanguine? What are they seeing that the economists are not? Well, they're seeing that a lot of this concern about Brexit was being driven by politicians and markets, A, don't understand politicians and B, don't trust them. So quite a lot of this is being driven by a caustic view about the political developments on this. Actually, the markets aren't necessarily right about this in that a lot of traders have taken very short positions on selling the pound. So they are now busily coming back and getting out of those positions. But there's, I think, three things that the markets see differently to the way economists do. They tend to look at UK economic data and correlate it very closely to the pound. So the recent good economic data out of the UK is pushing the pound higher. They also see that a lot of the scares about Brexit contagion around the world are not being borne out, and that's very important for the markets. And the other thing is that there's a sense of normality slightly returning to sterling trading in that a lot of what drives sterling, as drives other currencies, is how the US economy and how the dollar is performing. And that is weak. We've had some poor US data, and that is also driving the pound higher. So what kind of things are coming up that might make the markets move the other way or make them even more buoyant? What are they looking for in the near future? Well, I think what they and economists are looking for is not simply the data that we've had so far, which is very consumer driven, but we want to see more data out of that. But they also want to see what business is really saying about investment. So all that data is going to be very key. But of course, the big thing that everybody is really looking at is the shape of these divorce negotiations from the EU. In a sense, the market is having to hold two thoughts in its mind at the same time. What's the short-term prospects for sterling, as the data tells us, and what are the long-term prospects for sterling, as the divorce negotiations tell us? On the one hand, the short-term is telling you buy sterling, and the long-term is telling you sell sterling. Chris Giles, economists must be wolfing down the humble pie right now. They were completely wrong, weren't they? 
Yes and no. I mean, I think let's be both harsh on them and fair on them at the same time. Let's be harsh on their short-term forecasts, particularly those of the Treasury, which, let's face it, lots of other independent economists basically agreed with, which was there would be a shock, it would be quite prolonged and it would be quite deep, with a possibility of recession. Not everyone was saying there will absolutely be a recession, but there was a possibility of a shallow recession in there. That looks quite a lot less likely now. But if you want to be fair to economists, they nearly all said before the referendum that the short term was much less predictable than the long term consequences of Brexit, that it really depended on confidence. And confidence is something everyone knows you can't predict. So it could go one way, could go the other. It's definitely held up more than people feared it might. And that's a definitively a good thing. Where economists would say they're not wrong, what we don't know that we're right yet is the long term because that was essentially doing a totally different form of analysis. It wasn't just crystal ball gazing. It was saying what makes economies function well in the long term. And you can look at lots of economies and you can say, well, good trading links, particularly with your close neighbours, is generally associated with better performance in the long term. So if we have a worse trading relationship with Europe, our biggest trading partner, that is likely to damage the long-term performance of the UK economy. We're far, far, far from knowing they're wrong on that. And we don't even know what the post-Brexit landscape is going to look like yet. So I think, to be fair on them, that's where they were more confident before the referendum and they would still be pretty confident now. But that's one of the big problems, isn't it? Although Theresa May keeps saying Brexit means Brexit. We have no idea at this stage what that actually means. We don't know what access Britain may or may not have to the single market, what kind of tariff regime we're going to have, how much free movement of people there will be, and so on and so forth. So up until that point, it's very difficult to know what the impact of that vote will be. Yes, and maybe more damaging than that is that the uncertainty surrounded by that lack of knowledge of what the impact of the vote will be will mean that some companies think, actually, maybe it isn't the time to build a new office, build a factory, invest in the UK. Or maybe it isn't the time if you're a continental company to have a UK supplier as part of your global supply chain because it just might be risky three or four years down the road. We just don't know yet. Now, if we get as were a good Brexit where actually trading relationships with Europe don't change very much and there is some more freedom to do deals around the world, then that might be quite a decent outcome for the UK. But we are far, far from knowing that's the case at the moment. But there is a way, therefore, that at this moment, the markets and economists could both be right. You can have bullish markets and pessimistic economists and valid reasons for both of those to be as they are. Absolutely. So economists' criticism of markets would say they're far too short term. They don't think about the very long term. We can stand back and see things in a much clearer way because we're much smarter than these market oiks, as they might say. They might not like me saying that, but that is what they would say in private, at least. And also, there are other things that have happened which are maybe both better for the economy in the short term and very good for markets, particularly the actions the Bank of England have taken, which in restarting quantitative easing, that's buying assets by printing money, that is known and is designed to buoy asset prices because you're basically creating a greater demand for assets. And so markets knowing this, they've all, markets have repriced. That doesn't mean that the Bank of England or the economists are wrong that maybe the longer term or even medium term outlook is worse. But it also means that one of the ways to mitigate that is to have better asset prices. So there are ways of sort of 
making you know this not just being a markets right economists wrong or vice versa that actually they might be entirely rational and consistent with each other Roger just go back to sterling when we started some currency traders got burned betting that the pound would sink even lower so what is the future for sterling is $1.33 or 1 euro 18 is that now the new normal I think what might be normal is is higher than where we are. Where exactly it is, is still up for grabs. There were some very, very pessimistic forecasts for sterling. Some were even saying parity with the dollar. No one is going anywhere near that, and everybody is now pushing their forecasts higher. What's important for markets, and actually for the Bank of England, is to avoid volatile trading. That is what I think Carney has succeeded in doing. Uh, He did that straight away by making sterling liquid right after the vote. And he's done that through QE, as Chris says. So what I think will be important is further moves by the Bank of England. We need to see also how the government starts playing its role, whether it, through the autumn statement on November the 23rd, is going to start providing a fiscal stimulus to support the economy. I think one of the other interesting areas that is going to affect sterling is fatigue over Brexit negotiations. Markets remember how tired they got over worries about the euro, worries about the European Union when we were discussing Greece over many, many months last year. And there is the sense that Brexit is going to be even more protracted than those Greek negotiations. And the market reaction last year to the euro was, so what? We just don't care about how these negotiations move. And actually, the euro did not move in the way that a lot of economists forecast it might. This might be a repeat of that. I think we are going to hit a huge amount of fatigue. Sort of nerds like me are going to be immensely excited about various trade-offs that are being negotiated. But it's all going to come down to some crunch meetings, as it always does in European negotiations. And there'll be some big decisions there. And everyone's probably right to forget about it until you get to those sort of last two weeks and then get quite panicky because, you know, you don't know which way it could go either way and it could break down altogether. But those last two weeks may be, what, in 2019? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They will be. So there's no point in worrying about it now, necessarily. So there you have it. In the here and now, the markets and the economists could both be right at the same time. And it's not often you hear anybody say that. Chris Giles, Roger Blitz, thank you both very much. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.